All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Doxa Church. Happy birthday, Jesus. Whatever one you guys want to say, I'm totally good with. We got our Doxa kids kind of having a big birthday party for, for Jesus right now, learning about his, his birth, the true meaning of, of Christmas, which seems right after we watch that. Parents, we got some work to do with our, with our kids, okay? But, uh, but man, such a, a great day to, to be together. It's finally Christmas. And for those of you who are part of the Doxa family, I, I love that we're together. I love seeing you. Welcome again to Doxa Church. For those of you who are visiting for the first time, it's great to have you part of the Doxa family to celebrate Christmas today. It's going to be an awesome night together, but I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, okay? Um, go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 9, okay? If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry about it. We'll put it up here on the screen. But uh, if you are, in fact, new to Doxa, all right, you know, every, every family kind of has its thing, right? Like for some of you after this service, you're going to go home and you're going to eat a Christmas ham. Like that's just like what you do. That's your, your thing, that every Christmas you, you go home and you eat a piece of ham that no one really likes and that's just like your family thing. You guys eat ham? Why? That's just, I don't, I don't, that's not, okay, that's the point. But I don't understand ham, okay? But here's what I'm going with this, okay? Every family has its thing. Our thing here at Doxa is this, is that every time we gather, Guys, we, we gather around the Bible, that we believe that the Bible isn't merely just a human book, but this book is a book that God wrote, all right? And in it are not just like encouraging, helpful words from people throughout history, but I want you to hear this, okay? The Bible is filled with life-changing, truth-guiding, eternity-directing words from God, ultimately for our good, all right? And every time that we gather like this, just like we are now, because we open the Bible together and we kind of just go through it, slow and steady, kind of verse by verse, seeking to hear from God and by his power and presence in our lives, we seek to respond to him, thereby becoming the people he has created us to be. And so if you don't have a Bible, this is the season for gift giving, we would love to give you the gift of God's word to us. All right, so as you walk out of the auditorium on your way out, there's a wall full of Bibles to your left. Or you can stop at the coffee bar by the info corner and grab a couple for your family. But here is my goal tonight as we open up the Bible together. All right, very straightforward. As we consider the birth of Jesus, the true meaning of Christmas, here's the goal. To exalt the name, the person, and the work of Jesus Christ. All right, because during the Christmas season, we're ultimately celebrating the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That Christmas is just really where the eternal God entered into human history. It's where the God who created everything entered into his creation. It's where the God who made man came down as a man, starting as a baby. This is Christmas, the most significant day around the most significant person in the history of the world. And for those of you who are Christians, all right, it's my hope and prayer that you are reminded of the significance and the gift of the man Jesus Christ. And that worship and wonder and awe and praise would just abound in you this Christmas as you leave this place. And for those of you who are here and, and maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, welcome to Doxa. It was me not that long ago that I was sitting in a seat like that, just like you. And I would say it's an honor and a privilege. I'm excited to teach you about Jesus tonight. But I hope that you leave this place. My goal is to show you how great Jesus is how much he loves you, how much he gives to you, and how much you actually need him. And just as almost everyone associates Christmas with gifts, all right, I wanna show you how at the heart of Christmas, and really all of life, is one particular gift. God's gift to us of a child. All right, and to do this, what we're gonna do is we're gonna rewind back through history 
All right, past the first Christmas and all the events that we're so familiar with, like the manger scene, the shepherds with the sheep, the angels singing, right, the wise men bringing strange gifts, we're going to go back further than that to 700 BC because there's way more to Christmas than these classic familiar events that we're so used to seeing. But in 700 BC, all right, there was a man named Isaiah who God raised up as a prophet, a messenger of God, a spokesman for God. And he went to people who were in a hurting place. They were about to be in captivity. It was a dark time for this nation. And Isaiah spoke. God spoke through him. And he came with this crazy announcement. Take a look at this. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so this is what Isaiah comes on the scene and starts saying. God spoke to people through this man, and he says, a baby is coming. A baby is coming to help you. He's going to be born in the most unlikely, humanly speaking, like impossible way through a virgin. Now, okay, let me just acknowledge this. If you're anything like me for many years of my life, maybe this is the point where you just kind of check out, right? Mom or dad or friend brought you here. You hear this craziness and immediately file this account into like fable or folklore or myth. Right? I've been there. I've thought that. But let me just say this. If this is you tonight, rather than checking out, here's what I think you actually need to do. You need to lean in. And you need to listen. Because this event was foretold over 700 years before it happened. And see, we need to understand this about the Bible, specifically around the birth of Jesus, okay? I need to tell you that there are really kind of two threads that weave together the entire Bible, promise and fulfillment. It's promise and fulfillment that hold together the entire Bible, and much of the Old Testament can simply fit under the category of promise, that there are many promises given throughout the Old Testament, and then the New Testament is the recording of the fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus, And so the birth of Jesus is really just a a fulfillment of a series of promises, also called prophecies, that were given hundreds, sometimes thousands of years in advance by God, who is sovereign over all and foreknowing of all the future, telling us in detail exactly what his plan was for human history and the coming of Jesus into human history. And so we could spend a lot of time looking at these promises around the birth of Jesus, but the overarching point, guys, is this is that God had been preparing for the first Christmas centuries before Mary laid her newborn baby down in a feeding trough. All right, that there were historical recorded promises and then there were fulfillment in Jesus. And so that being said, this isn't like a Santa Claus type myth But that in the same way that history records the virgin birth, it also records the miracles, the historical miracles of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. So this is not spirituality, this is history. And if you're newer to the Bible, if you're newer to Christianity, you just need to know that the Bible is not primarily like a spiritual or a philosophical or a moral book. But the Bible is primarily a historical book that has stood the test of time and stood the test of academic scrutiny. And so Isaiah proclaims that God is coming to us to be with people. And if you look, he designates the name Emmanuel, which literally just means God with us. And he says, you will know who this God child is when you find a virgin mother. And from this promise and others throughout the Old Testament, the expectation and really the anticipation for people of the world was that a Savior was coming, 
A hero, a redeemer, a king was coming and he will be God among us. Now here is the question that I want us to consider tonight. What is this God child like? All right, to put it in another way is like, what is Jesus like? Because so many times we can get confused on this and we can kind of dilute Jesus into like a culturally constructed Jesus, but what is he actually like? This brings us to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Look, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So one verse tonight that we're gonna camp in, all right, to describe the great gift of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And chances are, if you've been to like Hobby Lobby or Walmart or Target this Christmas season, you've seen this on all types of decorations and cards and doilies and all those different things. Like this is like the most, probably one of the most famous verses when it comes to Christmas. So well known, but here's the thing. A lot of you have grown up in church, you've done the church thing, you know the religion thing, you've, you've been around the quiz bowls and all that stuff, but here's the thing that I wonder. In the midst of all the familiarity around this verse, I wonder if we really grasp what this is actually saying. Like what this actually means for us. What this means about Jesus. Because my story, and what I'm convinced of, is that when we really understand what Isaiah is saying about Jesus, indifference to Jesus or apathy towards Jesus can't exist. Because when we understand this, like hope and joy and worship, obedience become the natural response and Christmas is really just given great significant meaning through this. And so Isaiah gives this promise that a child will be born, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in the Bible, guys, in a lot of cultures around the world, names are, are really, really important. And when it comes to names, there's a lot of rules, right, for choosing names for your kids, right? Your parents, you know this, right? For example, if your spouse ever dated a person with a specific name, that name is completely off the table, right? Or if your spouse had like a, a person or a kid that they grew up with and that kid was really annoying, that name is also not in the cards. And I had a bunch of names with, with our kids. I was like, this would be a great name. Oh, no, I sat next to that kid in elementary school and he was an idiot, right? And you know those different things, right? And then there's also, you gotta start considering like nicknames, right? It's like, am I gonna name this kid something that he's gonna be teased for for like the first 18 years of his life? And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure your parents loved you, but they didn't think enough about this, okay? I'm really sorry, but guys, names matter. And that's why God chose these names. He wanted the world to understand his greatest gift and what this gift is like. So let's look at these names and learn what Jesus, this Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas, is like. First, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Now when you hear this, you hear this phrase, okay, your, your initial response, reaction, might be to kind of reduce Jesus to like a good psychologist, a good life coach, a good therapist. That Jesus is like somebody that we can go to who gives us good advice, that'll listen to us, but however true that may be of Jesus, this severely understates the full scope of Jesus Christ. See, when Isaiah speaks of something being wonderful, the problem with language is that wonderful doesn't mean what it means for us today, right? I'm gonna go home and have like a wonderful piece of ham. That doesn't even make sense, right? But it's not wonderful like that. But when he says wonderful, this is something 
that is just full of wonder. It's incomprehensible. It's unfathomable. It's supernatural that Jesus has supernatural wisdom and knowledge and knows everything about everything and everyone. But I want you to hear this. He's not just all-knowing, but doxa. He is all-giving. He is a counselor, meaning he is one who advises, he instructs, and he guides us through the highs, the lows, the everyday stuff of life. And as our wonderful counselor, he's also our great helper. And help is something that every single one of us need. In all of humanity, we, we know this. This is why in this past year that we're wrapping up, right, hundreds of billions of dollars were spent on therapy and counseling and life coaches and self-help resources. We are a people that understand that we need help. We need help to know how to overcome. We need help to make it through. We need help to find a way to have the lives that we desire. But despite billions of dollars being spent, nothing really changes. And we're gonna spend billions of dollars again next year and the year after and the year after. But Jesus, as wonderful counselor, means that he is the ultimate helper who has the experience to understand us, the wisdom to work out the solution, and the power to enact it. That we have a great God who sees us, he hears us, he understands us, he empathizes with us, and he loves us. And this is the beauty of the incarnation. God becoming a man. Hear this. When we come to Jesus, he gets it. He gets it. He's been where we are. He's walked the same roads. He's experienced the highs and the lows of life and he's made it through here and he's now seated there and he's comforting us here as he leads us there with him. And this is the truth that the author of Hebrews knew. Take a look at this. This is what he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so understand this. Someone here needs to know this. Jesus is not a distant God who's just sitting up in heaven looking down on jacked up people in a broken world and just shaking his head and being like, I just made a huge mistake, especially with that one, right? That's not who he is. Jesus, in his earthly life, he walked through the same kinds of things that we walk through. He knows what it is to be tempted, rejected, lonely, hurt, worried. He knows what it's like to be us. And he faced much of what the worst that the world can throw at a person, which means that he is a reliable guide to us in any situation to show us the way. That's the kind of counselor Jesus offers to be for each one of us. This is what Christmas is all about. And so Jesus says... The path of pain, I've endured it. Loneliness, I know it. Temptation, I've experienced it. Betrayal, loss, hurt, death, I've walked those roads and I can show you the way through. He's our wonderful counselor who came to help people with problems. Any people with problems in here? Two hands up for me, okay? This is our Jesus. And the manner of his life confirms it. Because listen to this, he, he not only just experienced all that, but guys, he also performed powerful miracles. And if you read any of the historical gospels, you will see Jesus doing wonderful, miraculous things. 
like feeding 5,000 people with a couple fish and a couple pieces of bread, giving sight to blind people, healing chronically ill people, raising people back to life from the dead. And as he did these things, I want you to know it wasn't just to wow people. It wasn't just to kind of supernatural flex on the world and be like, look at me. But listen, every miracle of Jesus started with a problem. Hunger, disease, isolation, death. And each time, Jesus entered into that problem using his wonderful power and his wonderful counsel to transform it and help people, and this is what he still does for us today, amen? This is the truth. This is what it means to be our wonderful counselor. I'm walking out of one of the hardest years of my entire life, and I'm so thankful for Jesus for being my wonderful counselor. He has guided me, and he has strengthened me, and he has helped me, and he has shown me a way through. Second, he is mighty God. He's mighty God. He's not just wise, but he's strong. Okay, and Isaiah's claim was that this baby who would be born on this first Christmas would be mighty God, meaning God in flesh. All right, and I want you just to think about like what we're doing here, guys. But the truth is, when it comes to what we're doing here tonight, celebrating the birth of Jesus, all of this either makes perfect sense or no sense at all, right? I mean, have you thought about that? Like, if Jesus is mighty God, all of this makes perfect sense. But if he's just like a Jewish carpenter that lived a couple thousand years ago and died and did a few nice things and said a few nice things and played with little kids, like, what we're doing here with people, billions of people around the world makes absolutely no sense at all. But when you take Isaiah's claim of mighty God coming as a child, it makes total sense. And when you fast forward into the New Testament and you look at the gospel records, you realize that what the writers are doing is they're just recording for us the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And as they are recording the facts that are surrounding Jesus' life, what they're doing is they're just simply presenting him as he was to the world. And what they discovered is that he is a mighty God. And Jesus' words, works, and ways were the declaration of his majesty and his identity as the mighty God. I mean, really, just think about this. You've, you've heard the stories. You've, you've probably heard some of the Bible stories, the miraculous things that Jesus did. But have you, have you really thought about the implications of who Jesus, his identity, guys? Or have you been tempted to like just kind of like dismiss Jesus as just like another figure throughout the history of the world? Because think about it, there's a logic to this. Like who would you expect to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish? Only the one who declared himself to be the bread of life. Who would you anticipate to open the eyes of a blind man called Bartimaeus? Only the one who said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Who else could stand at the grave of a man named Lazarus and call him out of the tomb? Only the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the wonder of wonders and the miracle of miracles is that this God has entered into our circumstances. That the creator has assumed the frailty of the creature. The eternal entered into time 
The powerful embraces weakness and the immortal dies. This is Jesus, our mighty God. And his claims to be God are validated by historical mighty works as God. This is him. And the greatest miracle of all is that he is able to save all who call upon him as mighty God. Third, he's everlasting father. And I love this, okay? Of all the ways that God could have revealed himself to us through the Bible, he chose one very specific way. Father. And he did this so we could have like a visual understanding of of what he's like and the love that he has for us. And the description of Jesus being an everlasting father, guys, this is not a reference to his eternal being, okay? But this is a reference to his never-ending dimension of love and care for us as a father. That Jesus is not an everlasting father because he comes from everlasting and lives to everlasting, but it's in his fatherly love and care that never ends. That his grace and his mercy and his love is just inexhaustible. Is this good news? I mean, for a room just filled with broken people that don't do it all the right all the time, this is great news. He's that kind of dad, that he's not the type of father. Some of us, we have a very poor view of God. He's not the type of father that no matter what his kids do is never satisfied or proud. Because Zephaniah 3.17 says that God is a father who rejoices over us as his kids. He sings over us. And he's not the time bomb dad. You guys grew up with this type of dad or around this type of dad. He's not the type of dad that you just never know when he's gonna explode and just come down on you because you've messed up one too many times in a really significant way because Exodus 34, six says that the Lord is compassionate and slow to anger and he's abounding in love for us as his kids. And he's not the absent dad. He's there. He's not the absent dad when the kids need help and they're looking around and they're saying, where's dad? Is he ever gonna show up? Because Jesus says in Matthew 28 that he will be with us always. This is our God everlasting father. And so you may or may not have had a good dad. I hope you did. But Jesus is everything a good dad should be for you. Believing in you. Speaking life and courage into your heart. Encouraging you. Helping you. Always being there for you. Protecting you. Providing for you. He's a father to you. And when you get the fatherhood heart of God, This changes everything. Everything. He isn't the the pretty strong God and the sometimes available Father. He's the mighty God and the everlasting Father. And then finally, he is the Prince of Peace. All right, not Princess Peach. All right, that gets there, right? But but here's what this means. Princess Peach was a Mario Kart character. Okay, no. This is what it means, okay? The Prince of Peace. He reconciles us. He reconciles us to God, to each other, and one day he will reconcile us to all of creation because one day, the day that we all long for, Jesus will come back as he promised. He will fulfill that promise and he will put an end to all suffering, all sadness, all hurting, all sin, all death, all evil, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and he will bring about perfect peace. Shalom. And shalom is what existed in the garden before sin came into the world and caused all types of brokenness and suffering. And this is what Jesus gives. He promises to give us this in the future, but he also gives us this now as we walk through the everyday stuff of life. Because do you see why we celebrate Christmas? Do you see how good Jesus is? 
Christian, be reminded of this. This is a big thing. This is the type of thing that makes singing and celebrating and rejoicing actually make sense. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, if these are four things that are true about Jesus, which they are, there are then now four things that are also true about you. And the first is this. You are broken and weak. All right, here's the Christmas truth for you. This is what Christmas reminds us of. Wonderful and mighty are not words that describe any of us. There are no perfect people here. There are no wonderful, mighty, perfect people here. There is one who is wonderful and one who is mighty. His name is Jesus, and that's why we sing to him. That's why we teach about him. That's why we pray to him. All of us, broken and weak. And I need you to understand this. All right, Jesus did not leave heaven and enter our story because we have it all together, because we're self-sufficient, and we're just in a great place. He left heaven. He entered our story. He came for us because there is a problem in our world. And Christmas is ultimately a reminder of this, that the world is broken and people are broken. And this is something that every single one of us experience, we live through, and we see all around us. And the root of all of this brokenness, all of the suffering, all of the injustice, all of the hatred, all of the evil, all of the death, the Bible says it's sin. Sin is the root cause of all that, and sin is the biggest problem in all of our lives. And I'll acknowledge, okay, that maybe this is like your first time to doxa and you're thinking like, are you supposed to be talking about sin on Christmas? Here's what I want to tell you. Do you understand? The only reason we have Christmas is because of sin. So we have to talk about sin or we can't understand Christmas. And the reality is, is that we're all radically impacted by sin. That even the ones in here that are like the, the greatest, smiling nicest, generous people, even you, even me, we are radically affected and infected with sin. And sin is really just anything that God is not. And the truth is, guys, we all sin all the time in our words, our thoughts, and our deeds that none of us are perfect. And at the surface, sin in our lives does not seem like a big deal. I'm not naive enough to know that there's people in here that are thinking that. I thought that for the majority of my life. But when we understand the effects of sin in our lives, it changes our perspective greatly. And what we see throughout the Bible is this, guys, is that sin leads to death. It leads to spiritual, eternal death because the nature of sin is that it separates us from God. And so the reality is, is that you can be living physically while being dead spiritually. And when we die physically, which is something that every single one of us will do, if we're dead spiritually as well, we will stand before God to experience eternal death, which is just living under punishment forever, not blessing. It's the terrible conscious reality of hell. Guys, this is what sin leads to in our lives. It's living eternity in the complete absence of God and his goodness. And on our own, we are all headed there. We're on that highway. And maybe some of you, again, you're like, is this what you do? You talk about this on Christmas. What the heck is every other Sunday like, right? But guys, this is, this is so important. 
Maybe you're thinking like, shouldn't we be celebrating? The answer is yes. But we need to understand this, that we can't truly celebrate Christmas. We can't truly celebrate Jesus without understanding our sin. We need to understand this. And God warns us of our sin throughout the Bible because he loves us. And I love you enough to warn you of this as well. That some of you are here and you're physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. And you don't love Jesus. You haven't found a remedy for your sin and you're gonna die and you're gonna taste eternal death forever. And I don't want that from you, for you. God doesn't want that for you. And that's why Doxa Church exists. So people do not have to experience that reality. And God in his sovereignty and his great fatherly love for you has brought you here on Christmas Eve that you could hear the good news of the incarnation of Jesus. He loves you. He wants to save you from all of that so that you can celebrate Christmas is telling you that you could never fix your sin problem on your own and get to heaven on your own, that God had to come to you so that you can come to him. This is Christmas, and this truth leads us to the second thing that is true. Number two, you can have hope. All right, look back to what Isaiah says. For for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. All right, Jesus Christ is the gift of God, given for us, to help us, to save us, to give us a new future. Christmas is, is just not about a baby in a manger. It's about the incarnation of the Son of God who came to save people from their sins. The child who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, came to be nailed to the cross, rise from death, and reign forever for us. Amen? This is Christmas, that he is mighty God who became weak for you. He is the everlasting father who became fatherless for you. He is the prince of peace who let himself be enthroned on a cross for you. And so very practically, this means that my sin, Rob Warren's sin in my past is forgiven. My current struggles, they're covered. My future failures, they're paid in full by the marvelous, infinite, matchless grace found alone in Jesus Christ. This is Christmas. There is eternal hope for you. And there's also a hope in the present because Jesus is our wonderful counselor and he's with us. If you do not know Jesus, you desperately need him. Desperately need him. Come to him tonight. God has come near to you so that you can come near to him. So you're weak and broken. You can have hope. And then number three, you're never alone. Okay? You are never alone, Doxa, that the one who calls you to walk with him, he walks with you. And this is a promise. And God's promise through the prophet Isaiah that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, is true and it should bring you great comfort. And so when God says in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you or forsake you, that is a guarantee. When he says in Psalm 46 that he is your refuge and strength and helper who is always found in times of trouble, you can bank on it. When he says in Romans 8, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, you can be confident in his sustaining power in your life. God is with you. You are never alone. And even when you are in those dark valleys, the dark night of the soul, where you can't see God's hand, you know what you can do? You can trust God's heart. Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, with us, 
And then lastly, number four, you are not home yet. Doxa, this life and this world is not all there is. You know that? And this is a statement that is so overused, but I'm going to use it. The best is truly yet to come. And Christmas is a reminder of that. Because as we think about Jesus coming, you know what we should be thinking about? Where he came from. Glory. Heaven. Perfection. A glorious, perfect, everlasting kingdom. And that is the place that we were made for. And this is the home that we long to arrive at. A true home with a heavenly father where the best day of our life here won't even come close to every day there. And so very practically, maybe you're just going through it right now. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You are not home yet, but Jesus will bring you home. And as you walk through the ups and downs of life, set your eyes on eternity, your true home, Set your eyes on Jesus. Look at him. 2 Corinthians 3 says, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into his image. That when you look at him, you become like him and are filled with joy and strength and hope and contentment that comes from him. This is the meaning of Christmas, Doxa. It's all about Jesus. He is wonderful counselor, guiding the way from here to him from brokenness to wholeness. He is mighty God, the hope giver who is strong to save. He is everlasting Father, the giver of endless love and care, and he is our Prince of Peace, the source of reconciliation, joy, and rest for weary souls. And so Christian, this is your Jesus. This is your King. This is your God. Thank him tonight, worship him tonight, and live for him all of your days. My favorite theologian, J.I. Packer, says it like this. He says, nothing in fiction is so fantastic of this truth of the incarnation. The more that you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Dwell on this truth of the incarnation and all of the implications and worship. And for those of you who have not come to Jesus, And I'll I'll have to ask you the question that my friend Andy asked me like 16 years ago. Why? Why? You've heard what he's like. You've heard what he gives. You've heard your need. And you can keep spinning your tires and trying to work your way to heaven and work your way to be right with God. And you can deny it and push it off to the side, but that doesn't affect and change the fact that he is mighty God. Philippians 2 says that one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. He is mighty God. Come to him tonight. He loves you. God loves you. He sees you. And if you ever doubt that, remember Christmas, that he gave his son himself for you. Let me pray. God, thank you for the words of Isaiah. 
to remind us of what Jesus is like. God, I, I pray that for those who are in here that, that love you, who are following you, God, that would you just allow us to just not be people that just go through the motions and just play church and play Christianity and just read our Bibles and get super pumped up and encouraged and sing a song and then walk out of this place like nothing exists and nothing happened. But would you just help us to be enthralled with the greatness of you coming? Holy Spirit, would you help us to just really think about Jesus, all that he is, all that he's done, all that he will do? Would you just lead that to cause us to worship? And for those that are in here that you've brought here tonight that don't know you, God, I know that you are a wonderful counselor. You know the things that are keeping people away from you. You knew the things that were keeping me away, that there was some big hurts in my life and some addiction and all of this stuff that I did not want to surrender to you. But as a wonderful counselor and a mighty God, you broke in and you helped me. You softened my heart, you opened my eyes, I saw your glory and became your kid. Would you help that to happen to somebody here tonight? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.